It is such a joy to be back with you again today. As Gary teased about he wasn't preaching, I can assure you he can bring the word with power. Uh, the summer of 88, we were at Falls Creek in July, and I had just gone in and sat down in the old tabernacle on one of those wooden benches there, just kind of get settling in, and somebody came up and handed me a note and said, your wife has gone into labor. And so I left Falls Creek in a hurry. We lived out by Civet, out there at 133 and 19. Liz was at work at the hospital when, uh, worked in the lab out there. When she went into labor, well, her doctor was in Ada, so we had to go to Ada. She left the hospital and went home, and I almost got there before she did from Falls Creek. But when I left, I found Gary, and I said, you've got it, I'm leaving going to go have a baby, and that night, Larry led the, Larry, well, where that come from? What's your name? Gary, yeah. See, I'm old, folks. <laughs> That's what that many years of youth ministry and preaching will do to you. Uh, Gary led the devotion that night in our cabin, and from what the word I got back was one of the most powerful times, and God moved in a, a mighty way. And Stephanie was born that next morning in 1988, July the 14th. Man, it's good to look around and see so many of you. If you were a part of the youth ministry here from 85 to 91, raise your hand. Who all's here? There's several of you. There's a bunch. Gary drove in. Laura drove in. Greg's here. Who else? That's not the regulars that are here. Somebody. There's Joey. Several of you. Y'all are such a blessing. It is just such a wonderful to see kids still involved in serving, serving God in whatever way he has gifted them and done that with me. So open your Bibles with me if you would. Well, I, had a, I brought a video this morning to 1 Thessalonians, so you can be turning there. I brought a video this morning. We had trouble getting it to roll and go. So I'm going to try and preach real fast, if y'all will listen fast, and I'm going to get Mike to plug that in and go again right at the end of church it's not very long i don't know how seven eight ten minutes something like that but a whole lot of you are in there and you got i've got pictures of you and you'll remember a lot of the people that are have gone on before us but it's pretty neat to look back and to see what we looked like over 32 years ago i haven't changed very much first thessalonians chapter one let's stand as i read the word of god please Paul and Silas and Timothy, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Remember, without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and of our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and the Lord and received the word in much affliction with joy and the Holy Spirit. So you were an example to all that believe in Macedonia 
and Achaia. From you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith towards God is spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivered us from the wrath to come. May God bless his word. You may be seated. Last Sunday we looked at the forgiveness of Jesus and how we are to love others, how we are to forgive others also. And then Sunday night we looked at the word of God, how that the word of God should be at the foundation of everything that you do as an individual and it should be your foundation of everything that you do as a church. This morning, I want you to look in the mirror. Look into the mirror, and what do you see? When you look at yourself, what does your testimony look like? When you look at the church, the corporate body gathered together here, what do you see as a church when you look into the mirror as the church of God? Is your testimony promoting the cause of Christ, or is it hurting the gospel of Jesus Christ? Listen to what it says in James chapter 1. Verse 22 to 25, listen to what James says. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you will look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free... If you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. It's like we go up and we look in the mirror. When you get up in the morning and you walk into the bathroom, you're going to start getting ready and brush your teeth and comb your hair and all that. But you first go in and you look and you look in the mirror and you see yourself. And for some of you, your hair is just all going every direction. Or maybe someday, a point in time during the, the day, you look in the mirror and you've got a little lettuce stuck in your teeth. Or maybe you had a chili dog and you got some mustard and chili over here on your cheek. But you look into that mirror and you see yourself. You see what you look like on the outside. And you see, you go, yep, that's me. And you turn around and walk away and do nothing about it. You don't comb your hair, you don't wash your face. Don't brush your teeth. You just say, yep, there I am, and turn and walk away. This is what James is talking about. That we look into the mirror, and the Word of God is that mirror. The Word of God shows us what we look like. The Word of God goes deeper than just the exterior, but it goes down and it shows you what your heart looks like when you read it, when you're honest with it, and you see the sin and the darkness within our lives as human beings and we can do one of two things we can either listen to what the word of god says and obey it and let god's word and jesus christ cleanse us from all that sin and make us clean on the inside which should change the outside appearance also or we can hear it we can see it and we can just turn and walk away with doing nothing and that's what I want us to look at today. 
What should we look like as Christians? What should we look like as a church? When we look into the mirror of our souls and of our lives, what do we see and what do we do about it? Paul writes here at the church of Thessalonica, and this is an example, folks, I believe, of what we should strive for, what we should be like. Look there at verse 1 again. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. He says, we're writing to the church in Thessalonica and to you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most notable things in that first verse here, usually when Paul begins one of his letters to the churches, Paul begins and says, Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this passage of Scripture, he's just saying, Paul, Silas, Timothy. He does not claim his apostolic authority. Usually when Paul was writing a letter to the churches, he was writing a letter to address some kind of problem, some kind of issue that's going on in the church. And so he writes and says, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. So he's claiming his authority to call them out and to correct them, whatever's wrong. But this church here, he wasn't having to call them out on anything. Man, they were serving God. They were doing good. And so he just says, Paul. So he's writing a letter here of love, a letter of encouragement, and a letter of thanks unto this church for the faithfulness that they're serving God in. And that's kind of the way he starts out. He doesn't have to bring this great apostolic authority on. He's just a brother in Christ calling to encourage them. And look what he says in verse 2. We always thank God for you and pray for you constantly. Paul is praying for this church. Let me encourage you that are on your pulpit committee and as you're searching for a pastor, you find a pastor that is a prayer warrior. A pastor that is going to pray for this body of believers. A pastor that is going to pray for you individually. And he's going to lead this body of believers to be a praying church. Because folks, that's where our power is at. Their power is not in any preacher, any deacon, any Sunday school teacher, any member. Our power is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we gain that power through prayer. Of offering ourselves unto him. And calling upon him to do a work within our lives and so you interview you talk to them and don't just take it from him talk to others find out members is he a praying pastor is he leading his church where he currently is or where he has served are they a praying church and that's something when i went to fit you several times through that period of years that i pastored there i would go into our auditorium when no one else was around and I would sit in the pews. I would sit in every spot and pray for those. I mean, it'd just be like sitting, and I'd start right here at this pew, and I'd just I'd scoot down. And you know what? Most of the time, I could pray by name because, you know, as Baptists, you've got your seat marked. That is your territory, and nobody better sit in it. You know, I know when we came last week, I asked Gary, okay, where is it safe to sit so that I don't upset anybody and get their chair? I preached at a church just west of Ada here oh, a couple years ago. Uh, Gailey, when it Gailey, yeah, it was Gailey. Liz and I went, and that's what I asked somebody. I said, okay, if I sit here, am I going to get somebody's seat? They said, no, you'll be good there. Well, we'd been sitting there just for a couple of minutes. Church hadn't started, and here come this young lady, and she just stood there looking at me. 
And I said, hi. And she said, you got my seat. Well, I really didn't, but somebody put her up to doing that. <laughs> but that's, I've seen that happen, folks. And so as I would sit in those pews, for those where I knew they sat every Sunday morning and every Sunday night where they sat, I prayed for them by name, called them out to the Lord. And then where somebody would be sitting that I didn't know who's going to sit there next Sunday, I would just say, God, you already know who's going to be here Sunday. I pray for that person that the Holy Spirit would begin to touch their heart right now, prepare their heart to hear your word and use them in a mighty way. And I would just, every single pew, I'd slide up and down and pray through that time. You find a pastor that is going to pray for this church. That's what Paul is thanking this church and praying for this church, for their faithfulness. I thank God for you and I pray for you constantly. So you pray and you find a pastor that will lead you in that prayer. And don't, I mean, I saw a prayer request list back here earlier. And that's fantastic to have a, a prayer list, a prayer guide. But when you stop and think about it, most of the times when we're praying, we're praying for the sick or those that are in problems or those that are struggling and this kind of stuff. And that's good. I'm not, I'll continue to do that. But when do we stop and pray for someone and praise God for them? Praise God for their faithfulness. Praise God for their service to the body of believers and to God. We need to do that also. Don't just pray for the sick and afflicted, but praise God for individuals and what they're doing. There's a story of a little boy I heard about that he had kind of gotten in some trouble. He wasn't minding mom and dad very well. And they sat down that evening at the table to eat together, and dad started leading in prayer and dad called out his son in prayer, praying to God, and mentioned all of those terrible things that that little boy had done that day. Supper was over, and later that night, the mom walked by that little boy's room, and she could hear the little boy in the room crying. And so she went in and said, son, what's, what's wrong? He said, mama, daddy always tells God the bad things I do, but he never tells him the good things I do. Think about that. We do, and that's what we usually do. We pray to God about all these issues and problems. Man, pray for somebody for their faithfulness. Praise God for using them in a mighty way in these prayer times. Look at verse 3. Here's Paul's continuing to pray. Remembering without ceasing. And look at the things he lists here. Your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and the Father. So now, church, let me ask you to do something. You look in that mirror. See yourself. See your heart. What do you see? Do you see any of the things that Paul has listed here? How do you measure up to this list that he was praising God for within this church? These things that are in your lives. Are you faithful in your work? For the Lord. Notice this passage is talking about our faith that saves us through Jesus Christ. But that faith that we have in Jesus Christ produces works. If your faith is not producing good works, then you need to check up on your faith. 
We're not saved by our works, but our saving faith will produce works within our lives. The principle of good works is the reality of that faith working itself out in you. Your faith is going to cause you to live a godly life, to do good things, to minister to individuals, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. You read there in Hebrews chapter 11, kind of the hall of fame of faith that we see. And you go through and you see those names there, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Abraham. Because of their faith, they accomplished great things for God. And in our life, can people pray for us and say, God, I thank you for their faith, for their faithful works that they're doing because you live within their life. And then Paul goes on and says, I pray for their labor of love. Are you working in the love of Jesus Christ? Is love being expressed in the way you live, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you treat others? You say, well, what's that look like? Paul explained it best in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to what he says beginning in verse 4. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Are your faith and works expressed in love? We should love everyone. Even loving the unlovable is what we should do in this life and there's some people it's hard to love them and you can't do it but jesus christ through you can allow you to love that individual and be patient with them and care with them and so paul's praying for the faithful works of this church paul's praying for their love that they express that faith in and look what listen to what it says here as he prays also for their patience of hope Patience of hope. Patience means bearing up under the pressure. When turmoil comes, when difficulties come into your life and you're faced with hard circumstances and things are difficult and you just want to turn and run, this patience of hope is what appears in those that are living for Christ and Christ living through them. At times it gets difficult to serve God. God didn't call it and say it's going to be a bed of roses, but it's hard sometimes. He said we will suffer just as Jesus Christ suffered. Patience is motivated by that confident assurance that we have in Jesus Christ. And look what it says, the hope of Jesus Christ. What is our hope in? His glorious return. And that's an assurance that we have. We know Jesus is coming again. And so when you're going through those difficulties, when you're having problems and trials and troubles, what's going to keep you continuing on faithfully serving him and not just saying, I quit, I give up? It's going to be that faithful hope of assurance. You know what? Jesus is coming back, and it's all going to be okay then. Right now, it may be terrible and chaos, 
But I know one day he's coming again. And it's all going to be worth it. And that's what Paul is praying for within this church. This, this hope of the return of Jesus Christ is what keeps us steadfast and living in the Christian life. Look in the mirror again. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you a true picture of your life. What do you see? Not what you want everybody else to think, but what does God see when he looks into our heart and our life? That's what I want you to look into the mirror and see. What does God show you about your life? Do you see faithful works taking place? Now, again, we don't do works to be saved, but do we, we do those works because we are saved, because we want to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. We want others to see Jesus in us, and that is where that faithful works come into being. That is where that love comes into being. What do these works look like? What's people going to see within us? They're going to see service and giving and praying and teaching and singing and witnessing and visiting, encouraging, cleaning, all of these types of things. For those of you that were in the, the youth ministry here during this time, we did several service projects. Uh, I told Liz I was going to write them down, and I think I wrote them somewhere, but I don't have them with me. So give me a minute to think again. That's hard to do. We went and cleaned up an older couple's home. They were building a house. Joe Olive, and I can't remember his wife's name. Anybody remember Joe Olive's wife? See, y'all can't remember either. Y'all remember Joe Olive and his wife? They played the harmonica. Yeah, Trent's waving his hand. He remembers them. I remember they played the harmonica several times during church, and I thought, wow, how many times have you heard someone play Amazing Grace on the harmonica? That was a blessing. They were building a new home and just needed help cleaning up all the scrap lumber and stuff like that around it. And as a youth group, we went out and we picked all that up. Anybody here that remember that? Surely some of y'all were faithful and showed up. Kids, come on. Another time, we did a free car wash out at what used to be the shopping center. We set up and washed cars for free. Another time we set up, there was a parade or something going on, and we set up a booth at the parade and just gave away water. Um, there was something else I wrote down. Can you remember, Liz, what it was? Yeah, there was one Christmas, one of our youth had graduated she was married, and they were financially in a bind and tight, had no money for Christmas, had no money for decorations. And so I told our youth about it, and I said, we're going to get a tree. You all all bring ornaments if you've got extra ornaments. Get gifts. Here's how old their kids are. And we went to, just showed up unannounced to their home, and we carried Christmas in. We decorated their Christmas tree for them, laid presents under the tree for the kids and for the parents. And that was just one of the most special times that I can remember. And serving God in those ways. And folks, that's what works. That's what service looks like. And doing things and ministering and helping others within this life. Do you see that love flowing out of you? Do you see, is your love compassionate? Is your love caring? Loving the unlovable. Look at verse 7 and 8 of this same passage. 
Do you know that, and this is in the message translation, I just like the way it said it. Do you know that all over the provinces of both Macedonia and Achaia, believers look up to you? The word of God has gotten around. Your lives are echoing the master's words, not only in the provinces, but all over the place. The news of your faith in God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You are the message. Folks, here is what a great picture of the Christian life should be. Here is what a picture of the church should be. That as a church, as individuals making up this body, you're out there witnessing and telling other people about Jesus Christ. The pastor is not to be the paid evangelist. He's not to be the only one that witnesses. It comes better from the satisfied customers in the pews that go forth and when the people see that man those people love Jesus they're telling me about Jesus and this is what Paul was praising and thanking God for here was the church at Thessalonica and the word of God was flowing out through them that Paul says we don't even have to speak because it's already going forth through the the members through those that are faithfully serving God in those ways and this is the way that we should always continue that each and every one of us, I had a great opportunity while I was at Fitzhugh, pastoring there for 30 years, 22 years of that time, I was on the volunteer fire department. And so we'd go out and you know, fight fires when you get called. There was one house fire we went to, and sadly, there was a deceased lady in the fire. Uh, you know, I saw the family over here, so I just kind of took off my fire helmet and laid down the hose, and I went over to minister to that family to pray with that family and ended up being able to do the funeral for them and, and sharing Christ and love with them that's what we should all do as Christians when we see someone in need share the love of God with them one of the neatest things as a fireman we were fighting a grass fire on this big ranch and I knew who the, the head guy was running the ranch and he asked me one time you're from Fitzhugh aren't you yeah do you know Joe Bradshaw? They're from Fitzhugh. I think he goes to that Fitzhugh Baptist Church. I said, yeah, I know Joe. And he's always inviting me, trying to get me to come to church with him. I said, well, you ever thought about going? Well, I don't know. He's always trying to get me to go. So we just carried the conversation on, uh, just kind of mopping up fire around us. We had got out already. And I said, well, what if the preacher invited you to come? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that preacher. I said, well... I'm the preacher. He kind of stepped back. You're the, and you're out here fighting fire. Yeah, I am. Folks, that's what we are to each and every one of us do. It's not just up to the preacher. And Joe had beat me to this guy. And Joe was constantly, always, Joe, from Joe's house to where Joe worked, he passed this guy every day. And he'd stop and he would invite him to church continually. And that's what Paul is thanking God for that church at Thessalonica that. They're out there. They're spreading the word of God, the love of God, and they're impacting the community to a point. Paul says, man, as the preacher's coming in here, we don't even have to say anything. So I ask you, are you out there as individuals? Are you sharing the love of Christ, the word of God? They were steadfast in their faith and sharing all that God had given unto them. So what does the community say about your testimony as a church? 
What does the community see? Do they see a body of believers that love God, that are serving God, that are ministering in this community to where the Word of God is just being spread continually? And they can honor God and say, man, there must be something about their God. They're faithful, they're serving, they're loving, they're caring. I want to know more about this God. Or do we see too many churches today that their testimony instead of being faithful to God and serving God and sharing the love of God, is their testimony more like what the Jews were? They're in Rome. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. This is talking about the Jews that were also religious and everything. It says, You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with Him. You know what he wants. You know what is right because you have been taught his law. You're convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for the people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you're certain that God's laws gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blasphemy the name of God because of you. You know what, folks? This is why so many people want nothing to do with God, and they want nothing to do with church. Because too many times they see Christians that are all pious and holy and religious in their talk, but not in their walk. They're wanting to condemn others because of their sin, but they're living in some of the the same sins and continuing on. And the last part of this verse says, The Gentiles blasphemy God because of you. The world looks too many times at us as Christians And they say, man, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to be like that. I want nothing to do with that. Many times they say, well, and many times it's true. Too many times we'll see Christians living in such a way that many of the lost are better upstanding moral people than Christians are. And it should not be that way. They look at us and we're living more like the world than living because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And so when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Listen to what 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 9 says. This is the message that we have heard from Jesus. And now we declare unto you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth, but if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us, And to cleanse us from all wickedness. When we look in the mirror, the Word of God is our mirror. 
and we see the dirt on our face and we see the dirt and the sin in our hearts do we confess that to the lord and say god forgive me lord i'm sorry i know i'm wrong i know that's a sin god will you forgive me of that you know what god will say yes i will and he'll cleanse us and that's the way that we should each and every one live so as heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning will you look into the spiritual mirror will you look into the word of god and let god show you the truth in your heart in your mind in your soul let the holy spirit give you a true picture of you how god sees you not how you want others to see you but how does god see you this morning this morning and then you've looked at church you've looked at christians you say i don't want anything to do with that let me tell you quit looking at people and look to the lord jesus christ i found myself in that position early on in my ministry i had something a preacher had done unto me and i walked away from church i walked away from the ministry i walked away from god well over a year because I thought well, man if that's the way preachers are that's the way the church is that's the way being in the ministry is going to be I want nothing to do with that and it took me a solid year before God got my attention and said Steve you're letting a person come between you and my relationship with you I saw in my heart saw in the mirror of God's word what my heart and life looked like and I had to confess to God yes Lord that's a sin and I put my eyes back on Jesus and thought I'm going to follow him and not other people so don't let people deter you from following God and let's be a church that is the example of Thessalonica. Loving, faithful, serving, caring. Picture under the world of what Jesus Christ should look at. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, you may need to come to the altar and confess between you and God. I'll be down here if you need someone to pray with. Dear friend, this morning, let God have his way in your heart would you let the Holy Spirit guide you to that perfect right relationship with Jesus Christ if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior will you come this morning and we'll look at what his word says about repentance and confession and placing our faith in Jesus Christ father I thank you for the truth of your word just ask you this morning holy spirit that you would move up and down each and every row each and every aisle here stopping at each individual person and giving us a clear picture of what our soul and heart looks like god we would be responsive to your spirits drawing us to that relationship and life of service and love and living for you to bring honor and glory to your name in jesus name i pray amen as we stand